Anthony Flores. How's it going? Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. I'm so pumped for this. <laughs> Me too. We have neurofeedback. We have meditation, <laughs> consciousness, yes. enlightened states. Yes. <laughs> it's a crucial topic. Maximize our well-being moment to moment. Our family's well-being, our friends' well-being, our community's well-being, the world's well-being. Just through a deeper awareness to our own states of being, of experience. And how to re-baseline them to higher states. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Such a crucial topic. I'm so grateful to have you on. I'm grateful to Shaker Pie for <laughs> introducing us. Shaker's the best. Love you, Shaker. Thank you very much. <laughs> And let's jump in. We have some assets that we'll be showing. I'm really excited and we'll be breaking those down. Anthony, let's talk about your journey and how you got interested in this space. Sure. Um, I was surrounded by spirituality when I was Eastern spirituality when I was young. I had an aunt who was Buddhist. I had other people in and an Indian guru um, path, and uh, I was also really nerdy. So I ended up going to Stanford University, and um, I didn't know what I wanted to do once I got there because I didn't realize I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer or engineer. And um, so I decided to just choose an audacious goal and like walk onto the tennis team. But I wasn't good enough, so. I started studying and there was a book called The Inner Game of Tennis that was all about Zen applied to tennis. So I got really obsessed with Zen meditation and I went to like a Zen center every week and I was just doing 50 books. Like I did everything I could to kind of evolve in Zen. And um, I also, so that was one aspect of it. And then another one was that um, I happened to just go into a chiropractic um, office in Palo Alto, which I think it was fate that it was a method um, called network spinal analysis by this guy, Donnie Epstein, who um, it looks really weird, but basically through light touches either to the spine or even in the field of the body outside of the spine, mm. the spine will start to oscillate and wave on its own without the person trying to do anything. And that starts to send like current and, and you know energy and information up the spinal cord. So where um, you start to become aware of, you know, how all, there's just all this energy at the root of your spine and then how that energy flows up and it can go to your head. Um, and I ended up doing, because that was like my freshman year, I ended up doing like 500 of these sessions. So it really opened up something wow. energetically in my spine. Um, and I would experience sometimes awakened states or oneness states in those sessions or after those sessions. And um, it planted a seed for what... I experienced or you know and what I kind of evolved in with neurofeedback later on but that was a big those were like two very big early things that shaped my my journey for sure so you had early exposure to spirituality mm -hmm. specifically Buddhism yep okay and then you also had the what was the other one we were talking about Sh shot Oh yeah, Sant Mat. Yeah, how do I say it again? Sa yeah, Sant Mat. S A N T Mat. Yes. Sant Mat. Yes, that's right. Sant yeah, Mat. it's a very devotional path. They have a living guru, and they um, two and a half hours of meditation a day, and 
um, strict vows around lifestyle purity and things like that. So yeah, it's a very serious kind of spiritual path. Yeah. And we were just mm -hmm. looking it up and talking about it a bit because I had interestingly have dived into so many of the planetary spiritualities, but even some of them I'm still not mm -hmm. super familiar with. And Sant Mat's one of them, S-A-N-T space M-A-T for those that are interested in looking mm -hmm. it up. And it's it's so interesting. The reason why the word perennial just continues mm. to over and over again is because even while we were looking at Sant Mat, even online, that it shows that the same idea of accessing that inner wisdom of understanding Tatvamasi, like you are that, like we are that, just the most fundamental, no matter what indigenous civilization or mm -hmm. no matter what mystic tradition it is, it's the really the ice cream, no matter what flavor it is, is like right here. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, yeah. It's, so it's, beautiful. it's based on um, something called Surat Shabad Yoga, which is basically a yoga of light and sound. So it, but light and sound are universal to every every spiritual tradition. So, yeah. Yeah. And then you had this other really interesting second aspect to that, which was and you you mentioned Joe Dispenza before we started mm -hmm. as well and he has a it's becoming supernatural mm -hmm. and he talks a lot about being able to just do what in you know in like Theravada Buddhism you have these experiences where you feel kundalini awakenings there's many a tra mm -hmm. mystic traditions where you feel these kundalini awakenings but specifically from theravada you take a 10-day period to just strictly uh practice uh your respiration and your mm -hmm. focus and your um ability to have extremely high sensitivity and so it makes sense to me that when you talk about chiropractic when you talk about the spine and when you talk about the ability to sort of hone one's attention more frequently on trying to in a sense do something it would look it kind of looks something like you know like you know it's, mm. it is kind of that 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 process mm -hmm. um and you know even as you do that standing up straight with the shoulders back type yeah. thing, you feel a current yeah a current. yeah yeah exactly yeah and there's um Related to Buddhism, so another, I mean, there's so much serendipity. So fast forward um, into when I became a writer later on, and I was interning with this um, really legendary writer in the space. And one of the other interns had studied quite extensively in Buddhism with this author that's written a bunch of books. His name is Bill Beaudry. And um, he has a lot of books that address just the physical part of the spiritual awakening process. And basically, he studied with... Um, the last enlightened Zen master, Master Nan, who um, their tradition, they really mapped out all the physical transformations that take place as somebody becomes enlightened. And um, he would say that a lot of pe what people experience in, in kind of when they think that they're having a Kundalini awakening is basically like pre-Kundalini. It's like the spine getting ready mm. that an actual true Kundalini awakening is actually quite rare because you're a full Kundalini awakening means that you're enlightened, like at that stage mm -hmm. that's like level one of enlightenment is a full-blown kundalini awakening so um and they have actually specific practices so one of the things i learned from him was something called a white skeleton meditation that they practice um that is apparently was developed by 
Buddha himself to accelerate the opening of chi channels. So in this white skeleton meditation, you would actually visualize all of the flesh coming off your body and then picture your skeleton and then actually feel your entire skeleton from head to toe and then feel white light moving through every kind of, you know, atom of your skeleton as, as, as vividly as possible. And that clears channels. And basically that is, um, is including the spine. It basically helps open up the spine as well. So that's like an accelerated, one of the reasons why it became popular in esoteric Zen and Buddhism is because it's a more rapid way. Like a lot of people's limitations in going to Samadhi and into like enlightenment are just that their chi channels are not open enough. They haven't done that, that kind of preliminary work. And so those kinds of practices can make it um, easier for you, the physical aspect to get into Samadhi and beyond. Yeah. Our, (laughs) our analogy for this, we talk about a lot is that you can't just walk onto the, basketball court and start draining three pointers or you can't just pick up the violin and start playing Bach and so I think it's super good that you point out that there's this sort of baby step process of becoming more and more sensitive because immediately upon birth I mean there's I'll give you the two polarities you have the one polarity which is you're born into the right away right into the metropolis right into the economic machinery right into stimulus after stimulus and the other sort of polarity is that you have like the kogi in colombia indigenous of the uh, sierra nevada de santa marta mountain range down there they have a their their mamas from age up from birth until nine years old will live in the cave Mm-hmm. They'll live in the darkness. And so now you see the other polarity, which mm-hmm. is which is no no sensory stimuli, only only uh, darkness, only only what feels like spirit or what feels like uh, soul or essence or it. And so I, the idea is that after the age of nine, you're when you go out in the world, you're going to be a shaman. You know, you're going to be a master Mm -hmm. of reality and so it's it's important to recognize what you're saying that there are these experiences where you undergo a note and it's funny because even science is starting to slowly and slowly as we unpack quantum mechanics we're starting to and biochemistry biophysics once we start you know really unpacking that more and more you know you can actually tap your awareness into the tiniest little changes that are occurring on a moment to moment basis, like in your foot, in your mm-hmm. knee, in your calf, in your waist. Yeah. And then you gain a lot of incredible insight into like even pre trigger, which is usually you get triggered into being like, ow, and then you do it. Mm-hmm. But you can begin sen- becoming more sensitive so that you can actually pre you know, pathology, you can make corrections. So there's a lot of really important stuff right off the bat. It's, and that makes sense with your trajectory and your journey that these were kind of the, the keys. And then you kind of gave us a bit on, on, on writing was that, did that end up being, uh, a, so how did, how did like, it seems like there's some sort of a, 
uh, coalescing of of fields that kind of happened into maybe your like late twenties and mm-hmm. figuring that out. So yeah, hit, yeah. I mean, I knew that I I didn't want a conventional path, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And somebody handed me a marketing book while I was working on health optimization and working with just different supplement companies kind of um, at a lower level. And then I realized like, wow, this is something that I could do basically to be in, you know, have autonomous with my own life and lifestyle and how much money I made and where I lived and all that stuff. I just didn't, I, I had freedom is a very big value for me, value for me. So I was like very reticent to give it up to be like stuck in an office. Um, so I just, and then I started to see a pathway where I could pursue that and be successful. And I, um, yeah, just got really obsessed with it and ended up really fortunate, being really fortunate with mentors. And yeah. one of which is the one that, that I met that I went to North Carolina with this guy named Clayton Makepeace. And um, that's where I met the other, other kind of student who exposed me to even more kind of meditation and cultivation techniques. Um, and the writing is what I loved about it is, is it's amazing. Um, it's an amazing skill. I mean, it's, it's, it's on a universal skill having just basically communication. Yeah. So, um, it's opened a lot of doors like for me. Um, you know, I even the first neurofeedback intensive, I, I did a partial trade with the company where I helped them with their writing and their marketing and, they let me come because those intensives are very expensive. So mm-hmm. it's just served me in so many ways. Um, and it's a passion, but it, it's like the spirituality and the neurofeedback and the other things are just increasingly like more of yeah. my more like mission. It's like, I guess the distinction is meditation and awakening and spirituality is more of the mission and writing is a skill that supports, supports it. Yeah. The mission. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when was it recently that you had the, really strong transition to just this vast majority of your attention and focus on neurofeedback and meditation and beginning to do the quantified self version, yeah. which we'll show the graphics of. Sure. Um, yeah, I was, I, um, I'd just gotten out of a really long, um, relationship and I had was in an unhealthy space just in terms of ending, but also very addicted to caffeine and stimulants and, and pushing myself. And, um, I knew I needed to make a shift and I'd heard um, about this training called BioCybernaut that is basically like seven days of alpha training with forgiveness work um, that you do every day. And you usually do about four to five hours of neurofeedback a day and then you work with a therapist when you're not in the neurofe- neurofeedback basically to determine what you need to let go of. And the, the premise of it is that everybody knows forgiveness is powerful. The Bible talks about it. It's very much in pop culture now. But um, the forgiveness, I think, that we generally do um, is more surface. We don't actually release the resent- the underlying pain and the underlying resentment that is associated with that, um, that resentment. And so um, as you go deeper into Alpha and you do this process um, that they walk you through, which some of the components are beginning with actually like really feeling the pain as intensely as you can. And being in an alpha state helps you do that because alpha is all about feeling, you know, alpha is very much connected to the heart. So the more that you feel, the more, um, sensitive you're, you are to that, to that pain. And so you do that. And then you, um, there's some other things that you use for empathy. Like you walk in their shoes and you, and you recognize like the gift that came from whatever happened to you that you need to forgive. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and then you go in there's a couple more steps and you let go um and you really actually see in real time like because your your scores are present for you actually while you're in this this dark room mm. and your eyes are closed but then every two minutes the scores will flash on the screen as you do these series of forgivenesses and so you can see when you let go of something big all of a sudden the the screen lights up and you're like wow you really see and then after they debrief and you can actually see your alpha improve every session where you just keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and and um yeah you really ultimately realize i think we we're kind of taught whether it's directly or indirectly by society that um we shouldn't it's not just to forgive someone who if they were if that person was if they wronged you in some way then in somehow we're somehow on some level we're condoning it or sanctioning it or we're saying that it's okay what they did by forgiving them um and it's that like faulty or that illusory kind of um perspective on it that i think causes us to hold that hurt and hold that pain because once it's happened there's actually no there's no virtue I mean, there's there's virtue in getting the lesson and, and evolving in your awareness so that it doesn't happen again. But there's no virtue in holding on mm-hmm. to it. And you really see like the beauty of actually letting it go. And the alpha states that you start to experience as you like clear all of these resentments just gets really, really powerful. There's there's no beauty <laughs> in holding on to resentment. There's no virtue in holding yeah. on to resentment. That's a great way to put it. There's no moral <laughs> excellence in holding on to resentment. No, yeah, because yeah. it it's it really what you see. It's it's and it's it's in your field. It's in your etheric body. It's in your psyche. But it's it's in your physical body. Like you're actually contracting around that resentment. And um, I think the Buddha said it's like. Um, it's basically like trying to throw a hot coal at someone else. Like you're the one that gets, you're the Mm -hmm. one that gets burned. And so by holding on to resentment, we hurt ourselves way more than we, we think that we're somehow punishing the other person, but it's, it's ignorance. Like we're punishing ourselves by actually holding on to that resentment. So that's great. The hot coal. Yeah. True. You just burn (laughs) yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like trying to throw a hot coal at somebody. Um, so on the neurofeedback level, um, when I, yeah. On, on the way. So biopsychonaut. Cybernaut. Biocybernaut. Yeah. Biocybernaut. Mm-hmm. So the the biocybernaut program sounds like there's a a quite a intricate system of taking in the biometrics of the body mm-hmm. and then kind of helping the individual get nudged towards letting go of the resentment towards those alpha states mm-hmm. and and then there's the score that flashes so yeah. you know there's the feedback mm-hmm. that you're getting yeah so just to paint a picture also because neurofeedback is essentially like a mirror for your brain so neurofeedback we don't you know normally we'd actually i think most people don't we don't know what our brain is doing especially on a brainwave level, we, 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 you know, definitely don't know. And so what neurofeedback does is give you some sort of feedback. And sometimes it can be visual, but um, a lot of it, especially what I've done is more auditory where you're getting a sound depending on if you're producing more of that brainwave. And so it's kind of like becomes a candy for the mind, like a reward system where it's like the brain sees, Oh, if I produce more alpha, I will get more of this sound. And then, it starts to self like it kicks in the brain's kind of self-learning 
um, capacity where then it's like, oh, more alpha, more sound, more alpha, more sound. And then it just starts to iterate and iterate. And BioCybernaut had these kind of organ-like tones that were really pretty sounding. And they're all in these surround speakers in a room. So as you started to do that, you would just hear this like almost like a organ orchestra play and you would get more and more sound mm. and it would be this very rewarding thing to think oh my god all of a sudden i'm hearing all of these these tones and if i forgive yes. and i let go of something i'll get even more tones yes yes so it's rewarding you along the way for yes so this is this is very interesting so it's as though within the within what we call our chapter six in high level perception the ai mm -hmm. coach that here in this in this graphic the idea is that you're not only getting the feedback of the biometrics and the psychometrics and the fusion of the connectomics which is the neuro and then the ekg and the microbiome and the metabolomics and that you're actually getting the small rewards, just like kind of the reinforcement learning agents mm -hmm. in their environments, getting the small rewards. And then if you're hearing, you know, the tiny bit more and more of the symphony, let's mm -hmm. say, as the yeah. you're hearing more and more of it and you're like, whoa, and you're getting to higher and higher mm -hmm. states of existence, you know, you it's a good it's a good way to to potentially get the get people to tap into what you know christ consciousness or buddha consciousness or lao tzu confucius consciousness are you know, what does it mean to reside in the Tao, or what does it mean mm -hmm. for atman and brahman to be one or what does it mean for i and my father to be one and what does it mean to have the absolute highest moral or ethical states of being and how can I get those little rewards mm -hmm. along the way that kind of make me baseline? This, this, this leads into that point that you brought up when, when you came, which was that we have these, we all, we, a lot of us have experienced the atrophy that occurs when, when we either work out mm -hmm. or we can't, you know, after we run, you learned how to run half a marathon, but then, you know, maybe a year later, you have to kind of work your way back up to a half marathon again. And so with states of consciousness, it does feel like there are times that we do kind of atrophy a little bit um, with the eruptions that may happen. But really, the I think the core essence of it is correct where you and I were talking before we started, which is that once you sort of uh, rebaseline and in this case it looks like you know it's something like this you know once you rebaseline from you know one dimensional thinking on that left side of the bell curve and you move yourself maybe towards the center into more multi-dimensional thinking you know mm -hmm. you're taking multiple variables into account it's not a binary thing it's a multiple variables we're analyzing the complexity you know maybe you're starting to feel a little bit more like maybe you've actually read the Tao Te Ching or maybe you've read the Old mm -hmm. Testament or maybe you've sat at an Advaita Vedanta retreat etc 
and you begin sort of starting to when you look at another you're actually seeing that self and that then things really start shifting so that rebaselining it's basically like you can't actually go back like there's no going like i can't see things in one variable anymore mm-hmm. everything is multivariate everything is nuanced now everything every time that i look at another person i see a complex soul fusion of their roots mm-hmm. and their fruits and their <laughs> and their present moment and so it's a that hot, upgrading your perception you can't go back yes yeah yeah you're right and in, in neurofeedback there's you're building literally building new neural pathways yeah. and establishing new circuitry and it's not just i think we focus a lot on with neurofeedback on the brain but it's really the entire nervous system it's the body it's even the biofield um i think one of the the things that i started to discover is i would like in my second neurofeedback intensive, for example, is like I picked up, so there was no loss, even though I didn't do it for six months. I didn't pick up, you know, I didn't do a single second of neurofeedback. Um, but in the second one in particular, I really started to see how much it w- was beyond the brain and it really was about the spine and the nervous system. And so mm. I was starting to be able to like use current in my spine to move, move energy to my brain and then yes. modulate it. And then actually in BioCybernaut, they have those two minute, periods so then i could just know that i could rise the energy to my brain expand kind of infinitely in all directions yep. and feel which is which drives a lot of alpha and then um that energy in the spine could actually hold that state perpetually like yes. it wouldn't yes. um it wouldn't regress or, or go back or, or fluctuate in the same way and so um yeah it's it's interesting that what you're saying and and um all the everything that you're saying about hlp you know, applies to inside the brain, the nervous system, the the field, yeah. the biofield, the field that we're in, the, sh- the shared field that we're in yes, right now. Yes. The more that you access that field, um, it's hard to, for that access to yeah. go away. It just, yeah. it's, it becomes part of, there's pathways that open that, yes. that don't close. Yes. Yeah. It's so eloquent. Love that. Love mm-hmm. that. And they're some of my favorite experiences are those where I'm just rebaselining myself closer and closer towards infinity, eternity, mm-hmm. closer and closer towards that infinite consciousness. I love that. You know, once once the journey to God ends, the journey in God begins. Mm-hmm. You know, that Rupert Spira quote is so good. I <laughs> love great. it. Adore him. That's such a good one. And once you know, what does residing in God or in Tao or realizing that Atman and Brahman are one, what does that, what does that begin looking like? Well, it's at, you know, just at a, at an entire, like in a sense the, 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 the vehicle itself becomes just an antenna, like mm-hmm. just this receiving station for that frequency of, of God, of bliss, joy, peace, expanding outward toward that infinite consciousness. It's, it's a, man it it's like it's like being in a it's like being in a ferrari and <laughs> and at versus being in a model t really <laughs> yes. yeah it is yeah, yeah yeah and now we're adding all of the to continue on the car analogy you know we're adding so many sensors and data points on the dashboard now yes and so now when you have your 
AI coach, you have this visualization when when we're it's probably a good time to get into some of the the visualizations but now that you have those mm-hmm. we're, we're really able more and more to gain insight into you know well now we have a tire pressure sensor well you know now we have that ability to have a a an EEG and and actually we're going to show um sense sense sensei Sensei mm-hmm. is one of them that is that's actually doing it in gamma. Actually, before we, I want to show this. I want, this is going to be important first. Um, let's show. All right. So. This is probably. This is probably okay. For now, I mean, there's there's so many of these on the internet, but mm-hmm. but just generally speaking, when we talk about brain waves, we're talking about at the lowest, at what is it somewhere? It's a uh, it's only a couple hertz. It's less than one hertz, right? Yeah, is the delta. Delta delta is uh, one to three typically. I mean, below delta, they call it like slow infra low or slow cortical, but really, it's yeah, it's all delta. Um, and delta, yeah, is typically associated with sleep. Um, but Delta also can be associated with spiritual awakening. Kundalini can activate a lot of Delta in the waking state. And Delta is really, um, even some people believe that certain kind of mystical superpowers, like ability to alter reality could be associated with high degrees of waking, waking Delta. So it's a really interesting brainwave, but, um, yeah, that's the slowest one that we look at typically. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then. We go up from there to theta and then to alpha and then beta and then gamma. Yes. And it's interesting seeing the the seven chakras mm-hmm. on the left in this one, actually. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I know. I usually look at that. But it's interesting that gamma is at the top. And gamma, definitely, in my experience, part of how I modulate gamma is by moving energy through the crown so mm-hmm. um yep. gamma definitely seems to be crown yep. dependent and and delta i would say too like the energy at the base of the spine the more that's activated the more delta you can produce um so yeah it's interesting i think it's accurate yeah and this is um this is an important aspect to that idea of AI coach that when you have the, in this sense, this would be kind of like the, the biometric portion of that AI coach that you need. Um, and specifically, this is usually EEG is what shows us uh, the, the range of delta to gamma. And mm-hmm. you want on EEG, you want more channels usually sure, sure. to be able to give you more data points yep. um, where it's being measured from. And then it's complex because you have to do the the Fourier transform for digital signal processing. <laughs> and then that makes it more, that's yeah. a big challenge. But there are algorithms, there are very smart people that made algorithms that enable those transforms of the data to happen. And then you're able to sort of see it visually as something that's actually, that you can understand. And then you can get the neurofeedback in the sense of slowly working yourself into um more awakened states now is it now this is this is a little strange for you know we have these we have these images that we're going to show 
from your mm-hmm. these are specifically from your uh trials yeah from, yep mm-hmm. and that i i wish it was so simple as that we could just be like you want to move from here to mm-hmm. here right but it's not like that no interesting so yeah so i guess tell us like what why it's not like that and and what i mean because it's it's interesting because we talk about moving from egoic consciousness to unity consciousness Mm -hmm. or symphonic consciousness where you feel the unity and your unique artist contributions right kind of thing but that's that's a vi- that seems very clear mm-hmm. the, the direction of that but with it's not like we're going from delta to gamma no they're used for different things exactly okay so yeah, yeah. let's unpack that yeah they yeah different different um they're really a really good metaphor is like the gears of a car right like there's certain times where you want to be in in one gear and there's other times where you want to be in another gear mm-hmm. there's if you're wanting to experience like the oneness of all creation in the universe, then like you could shift into the high gear of gamma and you're, you're like, it's like you're on a rocket ship through the cosmos and, and, (laughs) but you don't necessarily want to be there all the time. I mean, I think certain masters get to that point. Like I mentioned, we mentioned Ramana Maharshi where he had a, a massive awakening. And I think you get to a certain level of Samadhi where you're kind of perpetually in, yes, in that. And even then though, I still think he can turn up like, when you when you read about like stories where he gave people darshan which is like the the look of the guru that blesses someone yes that like he could enlighten someone just with his his look yes. and there's reports that like he would actually his, everything would still and everything would quite like there would be something that changes in him and in the person like oh, the person would have a massively like mystical experience so I love it, that. I love that. I love. I love. Tr- I love trying to do that as much as I can <laughs> with other people. You know, slowing things down yeah. to that level, and then delivering <laughs> that sort of transmission, transmission, unconditional love, infinite consciousness. Like, yeah. And then when people look back, and when they, like you said, they are expressing that they've undergone some sort of mystical experience in that short bit of time like yeah that should be a goal yeah yeah we have that capacity yeah yeah Yeah, and so that's like one gear but um there's times when it's appropriate like where you might want to do some deeper kind of healing of your unconscious and that's for theta that was where theta would be really good or maybe you want to manifest something and so you activate more delta as you're visualizing something that you want to manifest or um, you're expressing joy or gratitude or love and you want to be in an alpha or we talked about SMR, which is like between alpha mm-hmm. and beta where it's more like the flow state. Like if you're actually doing an activity like a sport where you need to be super alert, but you also need to be kind of in a more of a zone that's not really thinking there's no mental chatter. Mm-hmm. That would be like SMR. So these are just gears that as you kind of master neurofeedback more and more, you can shift your brain intentionally into the right gear for what you want at that moment. Yeah, that's, that's that's a good way to put it, these gears to shift into. So it it could be in a sense as though there's a there's there's more of a maybe a, a like there is a binary shift into a gear, mm-hmm. but then there's also a synthetic blend between gears and yeah. stuff like and that. And you're never just accessing one brainwave at one time, right? There's it's always like a, it's yeah. always a sandwich or a composition of a variety of waves too and that's going to vary that's why it's really i think one of the dangers of getting too obsessed with numbers and and all of this even and i've been 
I've done this myself because of, especially because of how the numbers that I've been able to experience that it doesn't, you know, one person's amplitude on a brainwave, like gamma, like, and I've actually seen this, like I could have 50 millivolts of amplitude on gamma, which is, which is like an almost, you know, shouldn't barely be alive kind of amplitude, but then someone else for them, if they go, Mm. they go more above their baseline, like they could have a more ecstatic experience and a more spiritual experience than I would at mine. And so it's, we all have kind of different propensities and it's, it's very, very complex. It's not cut and try, like cut and dry, like, Oh, this much more amplitude or coherence or whatever is better than this. Coherence is generally a better metric than amplitude because coherence and our synchrony is another yes, word yes, like yes. that speaks more to the, the Vers- balance versus the, dissonance yes you definitely don't want <laughs> dissonance you want coherence yeah exactly yeah. Co- higher coherence or higher synchrony is is almost always better higher amplitude sometimes is it just means there's a little bit more of like voltage in the system but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like more of a mystical or profound experience yeah the the qualia research institute team um the andres gomez Mielsen and mike johnson and those guys we've had them on the program a lot and we love their symmetry theory of valence the more symmetrical mm. the more coherent the greater states of valence mm. the better yeah. the valences and that's a super interesting idea in the space um yeah you really want that with the brain and and really that's one of the biggest benefits of gamma um, training and accessing gamma more and more to the extent that the person can handle it. We can talk more about that, but, um, gamma unifies the brain. I mean, it's, it is, it's, Mm. it's connected to unity consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's connected to kind of almost like genius level insight. That's almost pulling something from the cosmos. And so the more gamma that's accessed, the more the overall brain becomes coherent. And you see this, like, as I started to unlock gamma, all of my synchrony and, and coherence of all my waves went up. Yeah. Um, and like the, the brain map became just much more clear yes. and organized and healthy. So gamma is like this yes. master synchronizer and organizer that you really want to access as much as possible. If you can, you know, yeah. again, to the extent that you've built the right foundation, Yes. because there's a lot of energy in gamma that if your foundation is weaker, it can make you feel a little bit imbalanced or crazy. Cause it's like running a lot of, um, it would be like, uh, flooring a really fast car but like the the alignment of the car is really off and then everything internally gets more messed up because of all that power right so it's like before you access that amount of power you really want to make sure everything is aligned yes foundationally yes yes it has become more evident as well to me that as i've rebaselined more to these higher states of being that it feels like a a stronger connection a stronger immersion in that Tao or in that god on a moment-to-moment basis and that then from there everything else seems to channel itself into place accordingly to be Mm -hmm. the highest 
and it's it's hard it's not like every day is absolutely you know mm-hmm. that's why the whole the whole process of enlightenment is a never-ending process of constant growth we're always a, a in process in progress and but it definitely would be helpful to have more neurofeedback to have more of the data visualization on a moment to moment basis you know and that, i mean like this is a big reason why i chose out of out of everything that i could have chose to put in that you know right there in that in that bottom left corner where you did you do the data fusion and then you see what you know the peak performance level is i literally wrote current elevated cortisol <laughs> right and then your recommendation yeah. exercise mm-hmm. and so that there's so many different that that's probably the most common though the most common way to feel yourself in a sense drop out of more of like a a bliss or a flow or a god state of consciousness is usually when there it feels like there's some sort of dissonance happening some sort of stress is happening some sort of uh victim consciousness is happening maybe it's resentment maybe it's ego maybe it's all these different words that are describing somewhat similar phenomenons and that those phenomenological states to basically get a bing like a notification like a you know that that sort of pavlovian style um mechanism that uh, that draws you further away from that and more back towards where you were towards that highest is uh is it's a really beautiful beautiful and we we have to visualize we have to visualize the data um let's go through some of the sure some of the graphics um so hmm. okay so the first graphic we're going to go through is the controlled gamma yeah and basically the story behind that is um you know gamma is the black line um when i after i did the bio cybernaut trainings i went over to one that was created by dave asprey called 40 years of zen which was allowed more flexibility in training different waves and i realized that um a lot of the alpha that i was producing in bio cybernaut was actually being driven by more by gamma because gamma and alpha are related all these brain waves are interrelated and so um all of a sudden it was like, wow, I, un- I felt like I'd, um, yeah, to unlock this and I could, and I could start to using again, the energy in the spinal cord and actually, um, feeling that the energy moved through the top of the crown. Um, I would, uh, I, I developed the ability basically to control how much am- gamma amplitude I could produce. And then mm. it just kept going up and up and up until it became, you know, um, higher than they had at least they had seen before i'm sure there's been higher but um it was and um what's interesting is like the uh, it was controlled in the beginning i mean it was controlled but it was more spiky in the earlier times but then it became more organized and more um consistent and mm-hmm. becomes more efficient over time so then that's another thing like we were saying about amplitude high amplitude is not always desired if if it's not efficient like if it was taking me a lot of energy to produce that much gamma and so kind of as i progressed um the amplitude has dropped um when i generally train because 
I don't need to produce that much and I can actually do it much more effortlessly yeah. and still be in a, in a mystical um, state. And so, um, yeah, that's just an example. And um, really, I think for anybody that wants to produce gamma at home that doesn't have a neurofeedback, I think um, really just um, feeling breathing into this, you know, breathing with the whole body from the, the, the feet to the crown and actually feeling current to the best of your ability from the base of your spine yes. move up through your crown that will almost always produce more gamma for anybody that wants to to do yeah, it yeah, um yeah yeah and so slow down <laughs> and practice that yes yes another thing that um connects kind of to all the brain waves but i think especially alpha and gamma um which you i thought it was really interesting when you said you you develop like a kind of a notification system yeah. when you're in a dissonant state. Yeah. One of the things that I've observed a lot is that like thinking, I, I saw this in BioCybernaut, thinking generally suppresses alpha, same and same with gamma. Anytime there's chatter or there's thinking or that you're engaging with thinking, those waves will go down. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a state of feeling, mm -hmm. they go up. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that I've, I've been pondering this more and more lately. Like thinking is always, and I'm not the first person to say this, totally. Krishnamurti yeah, and a lot of I other people know. said this. No, Thinking is rooted in the past. Like thinking is inherently rooted in the past because there's always a memory component of thinking. Mm. You can't think without some dimension of memory. Mm. But feeling is actually always in the present, right? Mm. You're actually, you're active. If you're actively feeling, you're in the present moment. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the best ways to shift yourself out of the chatter and past rooted thinking mindset that is, is lower energy and that's quantified lower energy on like a neurofeedback EEG and everything is that is to just feel yes. as intentionally as possible. And where the kind of the healing or the inner work comes in is that when you really open up the floodgates of feeling, you feel everything. And a lot of the things that you you didn't feel before or that you were resisting feeling before or that you buried those start arising kind of like Pandora's box. And then you've got to feel yes. through everything that arises and feel beyond everything that arises. And then if you succeed at that, your capacity for feeling kind of extends out into the cosmic domain or the, and, and that's when things become mystical, but it's through feeling. It's not through, it's not through thinking or any kind of other, manipulation really pure feeling is 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 really the ultimate practice <laughs> this is <laughs> this is very on point with what has been discussed for a long time like you were indicating and that the einstein quote that i just saw yesterday about intuition being the highest there's a lot of now scientists and other highly respected physicalists that are <laughs> that are <laughs> affirming <laughs> some of the spiritual traditions wisdoms around intuition and around feeling mm -hmm. and what that means to also the relationship between the masculine and the feminine as well which is very interesting mm -hmm. 
and that there may be a also a some sort of a synthesis in the sense of the reality that we are in given it being quantum mechanical and given there being observers that make decisions in the reality given that there is a a intuitive channeling if you mm -hmm. will of what may be the highest possible decision does that does that feel as though there's a that there's a sort of surrender to a intuitive channeling that occurs that the thinking almost completely silences itself or does it rise and blend and is it kind of like those gears of the mm. of the vehicle how is it how does that look for you anthony yeah i mean i would say first of all uh when i talk about feeling it's not just i mean of course you know there's internal feeling but i'm talking also uh, what i practice in a neurofeedback context and in meditation and what i've been learning and studying is more of like feeling it's a process of really feeling beyond so it's feeling uh, feeling through the body but but feeling beyond the body and feeling everything so it's like you're feeling out into into space and you're it's a much more expansive kind yes. of manner of feeling yes and that opens um what happens is as that that feeling capacity expands um obstructions that energetic obstructions like things that are getting in the way of the channel of feeling that you're talking about those will arise but then those will be you feel beyond those and then those they burn up like mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you could call it karma you could call it blockage you could call it trauma whatever you want to do like mm -hmm. but if you just keep acknowledging whatever arises but then continue to not get fixed on it and just to keep feeling beyond it yes um that feeling capacity and i think that's the enlightened the enlightened state is basically a state of infinite feeling they're able to feel all of ex all of existence yes as one yes. but feeling is a muscle that we have to like we do have to work out and we have to build and and most of us and thinking and feeling are competitive um to answer your question so um it's hard to feel fully if we're engaged in chatter mm. but if we prioritize feeling the thinking the the thinking dominance that i think most of us suffer from it starts to reduce and reduce and reduce and reduce yeah. And even thinking will, the energy of thinking, because it's all energy, yep. energy of thinking will begin to merge with the energy of feeling. Yes. But it will kind of more just take its rightful place and thought will arise only as it's needed, as not needed. unnecessarily. Yes. And then you're able to just stay perpetually in this feeling of love bliss, which is like consciousness or reality itself. Yes. Which is um, what masters like Adi Da and others, many others say. And that... Um, yeah, that kind of it resolves it resolves a lot of think of the issues of of that thinking. But we have to I think we have to recognize that um, the kind of war that we're I don't I don't love the war metaphor always because it's like it implies a fight or an enemy. Yeah, yeah. But 
there is a tug there's kind of a we're kind of perpetually in a tug of war of like the mind pulling us into kind of this contracted obsessive Mm. um small energetically kind of you know always spinning always chasing always running suffering versus the the feeling state of the heart which is which is the opposite of that and that's a different it's a different awareness and it's a different energy and a different attention yeah and um the more we prioritize the feeling and keep giving energy to feeling as a practice moment to moment and um as an intensified practice and neurofeedback the the faster we awaken so we'll get to these the other examples this is so juicy that (laughs) there's just so much so much here so the the ultimate states of being feel the whole Mm -hmm. and by the whole we mean everything we mean holism everything god unity all of existence all of existence Mm -hmm. the ultimate states feel all of existence feel all of existence not think Mm -hmm. feel Feel. all of existence yes and then once we sort of rebaseline ourselves more and more to feeling all of existence feeling the whole right the way that we sort of have been perpetually trying to help bring it to people's mm-hmm. consciousness is through the the magic trick graphic right of chapter 8 because you don't just you don't just exist in your little square box around your head but you exist as part of this entire process from big bang until you contemplating what reality is and so to to see it at that whole level and that this is just one song one universe and that we may in fact be uh there's many more that are that consciousness is exploring infinity so the more that we baseline ourselves to feeling the unity feeling the whole Mm -hmm. the more that we would you say become surrendered to the right thought coming when it comes Mm -hmm. yes okay exactly there's an efficiency i think of thought where we're not thinking i think most of our thoughts that we tend to think are not really they don't serve us they're just chatter or they're you know negative thoughts or whatever they are they're um worry um and yeah i think in the enlightened state which i'm not there yet but i'm i think i see a progression or i see kind of a pathway towards me too where um there's less and less of that sort of thinking and it just there's more and more space between thoughts yes and there's more feeling um capacity that's building and and um, the ability to be in that feeling kind of heart feeling state yes. more perpetually. And then um, thought, yeah, I mean, another way to look at it, um, the, the chiropractor that I mentioned, Donnie Epstein, the one that developed mm-hmm. network spinal analysis, he said that um, the thoughts that we have, like especially the, the ones that we're talking about in particular, they're not, they're not really ours they're actually just a reflection of the level of energy that we're accessing through the field and that particular moment. Yeah. Interesting. And so 
if you raise your if you actually raise your access to the field and raise your energy yeah. the thoughts immediately change yes. and that's why it's so silly to um even interact with our thoughts most of the time <laughs> because um it's like a kind of like a dog chasing its tail right like you're not gonna get you're just gonna go around in a circle but if you actually raise your actual your level of energy in that moment and access more of the field that and and how you do that is through feeling that ex, ex, exercising that feeling capacity yeah energy goes up and the thoughts immediately change and then the, the thoughts that you had a moment ago were no longer they're no longer even there anymore so the, of course they're not a problem yeah yeah so there's the the box <laughs> I, i'm i'm uh I'm a, I'm a fan of explaining it with through the graphic here on identity and porosity that if if you're in the box on the right and you're like the dog chasing its tail with thought versus if you're like on the left where you have this extremely high level of porosity, like you're basically a perforated beingness mm -hmm. with existence. Um your level of energetic connection to what is occurring is at higher levels and there like you said there's more space between thoughts mm -hmm. that's a really important one actually you know that's probably one of the most uh, famous ones of buddhism is that you spend less time reacting and more time just cognizing just mm -hmm. being present rather mm, yeah. than rather than reacting and uh less time dwelling in that that uh, aversion or craving and there's just more just being um and then when you rebaseline away from just that incessant dog chasing its tail you're, you're accessing higher levels of energy the higher levels of energy that you're accessing the more and more over time that the right thoughts are coming the ones that yeah. serve the highest are coming so then is it to you is it then a is it a co-creative relationship though so that that the that this that the individual consciousness that that individual the seemingly individual the nerve <laughs> ending if you will of the of the whole that 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 nerve ending has a has a relationship of choice it has a relationship of seeing the the incessant thought versus seeing the the higher states of being where it is more intuitive more mm -hmm. feeling more expansive is you you yeah is yes. to you there's still a choice yeah for, yeah i think so there's and there's a level of wis i think there's a an inherent wisdom in that awareness at that stage where it's like it just sees it sees the thought for what it is and and then there's no identification with that thought there's usually the problem with there's no problem with thought I, it's the identification with the thought that usually gets us in trouble because it takes us down that rabbit hole or to, you know the tail the dog chasing its tail kind of metaphor where as soon as we think the thought is mine and yeah. then it's a problem and then I've got to do something and I've got to fix it then you're sucked in and then you're just going around and around in circles but um, to your point about choice 
if you actually see it for what it is and that it's not really yours, then there's a choice to not give it any attention yeah. and to direct attention elsewhere that's more expansive yeah. and in the, in the direction of awakening. Aha, okay. So then once one gets into greater and greater states of feeling the whole and being mm -hmm. immersed in that process, intuitive thought rather than the dog chasing its tail, that when one is asked from a non-dual state of experience if they would prefer coffee or tea <laughs> what occurs <laughs> I, don't, I mean it's interesting because you read these stories um i mean i'm not at that at that stage but you read these stories about masters have completely transcended their ego and they still have i don't know they somehow still manage to have preferences and to make choices and to do different you know and <laughs> uh, you know there's um um Nisikar, no, i forget i can't i can never say his name but he smoked a lot of cigarettes or like you know ramana maharshi you know he would have his idiosyncrasies like there's still or every every spiritual master i think i think some element of the personality um you know like hawkins he talks about we're all kind of karmic wind-up toys right like you can become awakened but that wind-up toy is still going to kind of like do its ah its things <laughs> it's in the world oh, that's and, funny that's so, really funny yeah <laughs> so even after you're enlightened like the and you've transcended kind of karma in the sense of birth and death like where you still have a human body that brain that it's going to have its tendencies yeah you have four and a half billion years of evolutionary yeah. lineage inside of you and on a planetary level and you know three and a half billion on a cellular evolutionary level and that there's so much of that sort of a priori filtration that's been built up through that evolutionary lens of 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 a decision towards some sort of a of a of a reward function and all of this wind up toy habits and behaviors and the familial epigenetics and everything that's just been like handed to you lineage wise and so it's a wind up toy even <laughs> that's funny that's a really good way to put it even <laughs> even if you're attaining non dual states there's still some wind up toy action yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a yeah still you're still getting that <laughs> yeah wow that's uh that's probably one of my favorite topics on consciousness is that non-duality is beautiful and it reminds me a lot of the person that attains some sort of spiritual ascent on a mountaintop and then what I hypothesize can potentially be beyond that is the non-duality with the symphonic. So the symphony is the non-duality, but the individual artist, the nerve endings inside of that symphony mm -hmm. are playing different wind-up yeah. melodies and instruments and things like that. And yeah. so that's when the that's when the master that went on the spiritual ascent to the mountain and attained some non-dual gnosis of the symphony ends up coming down to the metro to the civilization mm -hmm. and anchoring the wisdoms 
in the beingness of everything that is happening so that there is this butterfly effect that happens to others that that we were mentioning earlier when you can slow things down to that level to mm -hmm. where you can package that tiny bit of unconditional love that god that someone else feels and mm -hmm. then they have a spiritual experience a mystic experience that they take with them everywhere they go and whatnot afterward so i think i feel that there's a co-creative process with the melody that i play and the instrument that i play do you feel that way mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love that um i saw that in another one of your your podcasts and i think it's a it's, a, it's an amazing metaphor because like you said even when you become enlightened you're still an instrument in this greater whole like you have some element I mean, as long as you're in a body you have some element of indi individuality right that is that instrumentation and then you recognize i think one of the things though that the trademarks of enlightenment is that you can see the instrument the unique instrument that everyone else in existence is playing and you respect that and you honor that and you you have reference for that. So there's no better or worse or good or bad. Everyone is playing this, you know, kind of simultaneously playing an instrument. Yes. That is part of this grand song of existence. Yeah. The the way that we've been <laughs> talking about it's exact, it's so spot on. The way that we've been talking about it is that there's this, there is this within the symphony, there's a, there's a a beauty to feeling the whole of the symphony and just holding that and being in it you know that's the master residing in the Tao, as lao tzu would say that is that and that when you reside there then that's where the whole wu wei phenomenon occurs as well the effortless action phenomenon occurs where everything that you do is from that perspective and so there is no choice of of malevolence that that occurs because everything is from that gnosis that knowing of the whole of the other is the self and that we have um that as a foundational pillar point and yet there's also a within this within the symphony there's also not only that truth that the whole symphony is the truth and that the symphony is occurring and that there's that truth that that truth that kind of transcends the yin yang but then the yin yang itself is still happening which is you see somebody that is you know still killing somebody else or violence mm -hmm. violent or tyrannical or dictatorial or blah 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 and that all of those examples that are far left on the bell curve on the evolution of consciousness that are still malevolent, that those are bad. And so mm -hmm. that's in the yin-yang vision of it is that those are bad. We are moving away from those towards the good, which is the bliss, joy, love, maximizing potential of everybody. But then the truth is that it's all that symphony that's unfolding. And so, yeah. We uh we we just did that one again like two nights ago that <laughs> that graphic, yeah it's funny I should start keeping the gra the most recent show graphics yeah, more yeah. more near me so I can just pull them up instead of drawing them every single time because I I've moved it away, so yeah so that is is probably even even if you get let's say even if you get to your feelings of 
infinity, unity, holism. You get to those feelings. And then you intuitively feel that thought arise of that you prefer the tea or the coffee and the wind-up toy or that the or that you know that you get the the message if you would like to go to this event and you you know you get the intuitive yes or no you have do you have a, a do you have a preference for how much of that is your quote call mm-hmm. your artist's choice to <laughs> you know to do some vibrato there or or not i mean um i would say that i have less um Yeah, I don't know. I think I become less attached to my likes and dislikes. I still have them, though, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I get, you know, it's a progression. And I think, you know, I think an enlightenment really, like, they become minimized, but they're still even then. they We just talked about they, they exist. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think, though, oh, noticing the intensity of, like, one of the signs of spiritual progress would be to notice... Um, a reduction like in the intensity of preference ah yes because because if, if your state is if your state is kind of um if you're in a, in a natural state of joy then like getting your preference or not getting your preference isn't going to necessarily yes give you any more yes joy than you already are right than you already have yes. so most people are operating not from a level baseline level of joy under the assumption that if they get their preference they will get more joy, joy yeah. and if they don't yeah. get their preference then they'll less joy less joy yeah. right yeah. so that's i think that's the shift that starts to occur yeah that's a good point and then i would also asterisk that with if on one of the choices is the suffering of actually having violence occur against you or on the other side sure. is not having a baseball bat swung against my <laughs> knee or whatever that yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah, yeah that's then, <laughs> natural yeah, instinct. yeah yeah but tea or coffee are going to an event or not yeah is, uh there's not as much yeah it's i'm baseline joy period yeah yeah that type of mentality mm-hmm. yeah and um and it, yeah, but I think yeah. I think that's not something we can talk ourselves into. That's yeah. one, and that's one of the yes. things I think that I think like a lot of positive thinking in that movement, it doesn't. Um, I, I think it's it's kind of a sort of reprogramming that can be helpful for people. But I think one of the things that you see in um, neurofeedback and in gamma training in particular is like there is this baseline level of joy that just arises in high gamma that then as you're able to maintain gamma effortlessly, like that baseline state of joy that is, is physiological and is energetic and is like, it's, it's just part of your nature. That's, that's what I would notice a lot in my peak of gamma experiences is that yeah. like this ecstatic joy or love is like, this is actually my real, like who I thought I was is not who I am. And this ecstatic just being is my real nature and therefore um but like it's not something that yeah again you you can't positive think your way to that it's an energetic um alchemy and kind of a transformation that has to occur on a nervous system level and yes yes etheric 
brain, neurological, like all these different levels and systems that are interrelated, I think. Um, yes, yes. And that's, again, though, the advantage of this kind of work and why I'm such a so passionate about getting it out to more people and sharing it. Yes, yes. Yeah, the gnosis must be anchored in the vehicle and it must be anchored in the heart and it must be not kept in the box inside of the head and that uh, the more that we do that the more that it actually firmly becomes our essence our smell our of our flower um i want us to do as we get into the other two images mm -hmm. um what i what i want us to do quick is i want us to do um another small um quick breakdown will you um will you run us through um we gave we did we did gamma yeah and in and in gamma we talked a lot about that peak we talked a lot about that 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 god or unity state that type of state and then we talked in this sort of a lot of the time we hear some something like you said a flow state and that's a between an alpha mm -hmm. and a and a beta and a beta mm -hmm. and so so then you have this sort of flow state and then you have a what would be another common what is a like what is the the common you know or is there a common state of when I'm doing a car driving or a dishwashing or a, um, you know, is there, is there a common? And, and if so, can I make that gamma? Can I be washing my dishes and feel God while I'm washing my dishes? You know, that type of thing. Many, yes. many artists have tried, you know, <laughs> making that in their artwork and expressing that in the most mundane thing you can feel unity. Yeah. Yeah. I think generally people spend, you know, 80 90 percent of or more you know like a huge amount of the i don't know the exact stat but they spend a lot of their time too much time in beta which is more like fight or flight or just more like baseline level of kind of wakefulness um but there's nothing particularly energized or special about it it's just like you said it's um and to your yeah to your point yes um like in the in terms of studies like on monks um, you can get to the point where you can be high and higher gamma kind of throughout the day and, and functional even in sleep. And um, yeah, and so you can be more in that, like the portal can be basically open all all the time. Amen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is possible. But um, I think there's also an evolution to that because um, as I've gone really deeper and deeper into i mean as you accelerate gamma um training there's a lot of um it's like running a lot more current that through a, a um a wire than the wire can initially handle and so you'll get a lot of shaking like shaking in your hands shaking in your limbs shaking in your spine your head because it's almost like it's the energy is basically opening up these new pathways and it's it's almost like plowing through any blockages or obstruction and basically like widening the nerves so that it can handle this increased energy and circuitry. And yeah. so um, you don't want to 
you kind of have to like go do that process a little bit slower because you can overwhelm your system if you're just like for you know you wouldn't want to be in that state all day long you might fry out your nervous system will fry out or you might have anxiety or something so you have to kind of ease your way into opening and then i think but eventually as all that circuitry is open and it's no longer an effort for you to be running that much current it's no longer shaking your system and you know difficult on your system then i think that possibility exists where you can just be in the awakened state all the time yes yes yeah beautiful so we're looking at what could be something like if we were to visualize the the dashboards of our biometrics psychometrics the big data fusion that out of the eight billion of us or so that the most of us are spending time in beta states of could we say some sort of a an more autopilot style yes mode absolutely yeah like i'm getting through dishwashing so i can get to what will hopefully bring me more joy Mm -hmm. is that potentially description yeah and it's kind of one mundane thing to the next one mundane thing next yeah Yeah. dishwashing to tv to phone to um email or whatever it happens to be but there's not yeah there's not there's not a lot of transcendental access (laughs) into the yes the typical state and and does it look a little bit like when when beta begins experiencing like you know how sometimes people say that when you like a grandparent will have their heart melt a little bit like a very especially like a grandpa that has maybe been a little bit like intense in life and then like his son or daughter has a child and so he gets a grandchild yeah Yeah. and you know like that kind of brings them maybe from a more like beta into an alpha state so is that right does it slow them down yes. a little bit and it yes. brings them into that yeah okay. and that's a lot of um what's so healing about um something like what we experienced at biocybernaut i think is a lot of the buildup of emotion and resentment um it keeps us in that in that beta like excess beta state perpetually and we never because like the some of the slower waves are very rejuvenating yes on a deeper level and so um but to access them, we have to actually clear the the tension and the resentment and, the, and those underlying unresolved emotions and traumas that are keeping us in that fight or flight state. Because you can meditate, and I think it's of course it's it's valuable to like to do any sort of relax or just try to do some kind of relaxation technique. But then generally, you'll kind of go back after you you go through the relaxation. You'll go back to fight your sure. default fight or flight, which is a reflection of like what's unresolved yes within so um for kind of more permanent access to the slower and more rejuvenative states that you know the work has to be done yes yes so would it be fair then to say that the the transcendent states beyond the moving from mundane to mundane in beta autopilot that would it be fair to say something like 
we simultaneously slow into more alpha in that that example of you know when you get the baby you know and you're like oh my gosh you know i have so many people that have just slowed down due to that process which is super interesting right that transcendental realization and then we go even slower into theta states maybe that's when there is a profound realization of the person that you're falling in love with or mm-hmm. that so there's there's maybe there are these ways to achieve these slower states that are not even you know maybe meditation oriented but again meditation isn't something we do it's what we are again that's another rupert's fire mm-hmm. phrase right yeah it's, yeah but but uh so there's a simultaneous in a sense descent that occurs with our slower brainwave frequencies. And then there's also an ascent beyond beta into the gamma. Mm-hmm. So, so, and so then is that, is that about right? That there's a transcendent yeah. way below down and a transcendent way up and what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there is. And I think um, that's something that is hard to explain. I don't know. Um, because I had a friend ask me about that recently too. And it's, um, yeah, it's weird that you can be transcendent kind of on both ends of the, of the spectrum. Um, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. I think, and sometimes too, what happens is you slow way down and then that, um, that, that super slow down ignites Kundalini and then that kind of goes, Mm. then it goes up to gamma and then gamma gets accessed. And then sometimes for some people, um, you can go more straight to gamma and then the other ones, the slower waves will be brought up. So I think yeah. ultimately there's kind of a merging of the top and the bottom, Yep. but like where you start, I think it depends on a person's kind of proclivity and their, yes. their tendencies and everything. Yeah. So, okay. So let, let me, let me, let's put it this way also. Um, would it potentially be fair to say something like, that this most baseline beta is potentially where humans in kind of enter into the portal of awareness like you know boom like you're in the bait you're in beta state when you're you know your moment to moment existence of course it's different some people become enlightened very young ages they don't even spend that much time in bit the point being is you enter into let's say the reality and you're entering at beta let's say and then from there then you can go either way Mm -hmm. from that which end up being kind of the same thing which is transcendent states of gamma or of the alpha theta deltas and deltas in a sense are the ones that are typically talked about with sleep and so sleep is another sort of that you merge into the ocean you know Mm -hmm. you are unity consciousness in that ocean that's another way of seeing it so so okay so we you portal into reality Mm -hmm. at beta and then from there you can you know you have that gamma Mm -hmm. actually the gamma to me is a very to me it feels like it's a very that that god presence it mm-hmm. can feel like it's something that's 
that's a little bit more higher frequency, but to me, um, it also does feel a little bit delta mm -hmm. with extreme slow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is very interesting. Yeah, and there's, I think there's a really interesting, like, unexplored um, relationship between delta and gamma in the awakening process that I would love to dive deeper in. I've seen, yeah. in my case, for example, I can put on, I can do gamma training, and um, I will, um, if I close my eyes, like, my gamma will rise, my energy will rise through my spine to, the, to my crown, and... That's just it's my default at this moment but if i open my eyes and actually do like an open-eyed meditation somehow even with the gamma feedback my delta will spike and some of what i showed you the the, the delta chart that was like super high where it was like off the chart that was actually um training in gamma so it had gamma feedback but my eyes were open and somehow the energy, the energy was different with my eyes open and what was going on with my neurology um, and the meditation that I was doing that was activating. And I think um, in, uh, I forget what they call it, um, like Ramana and other mystics have talked about this in Kundalini, you got the root and then it rises to the crown and that's, um, there, there's like a, a certain um, term for that part. Oh, is, there, is it like a Taurus in a sense? Yeah, and exactly and yeah but but that energy at the root has to rise to the crown to for this like certain level of realization and i think even on this chart that you showed like delta is at the root and gamma is at the crown so there is some kind of connection between delta oh and gosh. gamma coming Our, together oh that... my gosh should we just should we just literally just <laughs> connect the circle basically <laughs> yeah that's kind of interesting it's kind of interesting it's like a circle being it's like a line that yeah. we're folding into a circle. Yeah. Yeah. So. And the transcendent is potentially that delta or that gamma. Yeah. I, I, it, would you would you say that when you're in a more, um, if you're tr if you're if you're feeling some sort of more divine states doing what is seemingly mundane activities mm -hmm. is that the more of a descent into like alpha and theta or is that more of an ascent into the gamma mm. i would say it's probably I, I mean i think for most people gamma is not going to be functional in terms of being in the world like interesting the, yeah, yeah so it's going to be more of the slower i think more people are going to be able to function i see in, in a That's slower very interesting because High gamma before your nervous system is acclimated to it is like is a little bit like having a seizure. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. You're you're like this, and then it it normalizes and 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 it kind of like your your nervous system is like oh this is not a threat, and then it calms, and then the, the current moves through more smoothly, and the channel is open, and then um, you know you can access other like in one of the charts that we were looking at like like. I'm able to keep my gamma steady, but not at a level that's like um, too much shake or uncomfortable. It's like a high gamma, but it's a sustainable for me because of how my system has evolved. And then I'm actually able to focus more on the heart simultaneously, which increases the alpha. Interesting. And so then sometimes my alpha even would come above gamma because I'm just like focusing on this heart radiance and there's like this ecstatic joy or love that's pouring in. Um, while that kind of gamma state is being held. Yes, yes. So yes, you yes. can kind of, okay. 
start to kind of merge a lot of these yeah. states too, where like your deltas, your deltas activated, your alphas feeling and through your heart, your gammas, you've got current coming through. It's like it can get really trippy because yeah, there's yeah, levels yeah. of sophistication that are are. <laughs> and- Interesting. So, so we're never experiencing just one. We're experiencing all five in different yeah. dosages. So, okay, yeah. let's go. Let's go look at what I think was the one. Were you just talking about the? Yeah. This one. Yeah, that one. So it's it's okay. like gamma. I mean, it's a little bursty, but it's relatively steady in terms of like how gamma is the black line all the way across. But then the alpha is actually, which is like the heart feeling, is 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 really high and spiking very and those are that producing that much alpha especially in the midst of gamma is um you just feel like ecstasy so, so al- it, alpha is alpha is con- is known as the heart yeah it's connected to yeah connected to heart frequency yeah. and so and just to look at this again you're 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 saying that the um that so so delta theta alpha beta and gamma are all being represented in some quantities all at yes. all at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And so in this case what what would be what what are we saying about the quantities in this case? Is that what's do you know what the 12 mm-hmm. and the 25 are? That's unique there? to that system. So oh, it doesn't it, those okay. are very high numbers but it, it's you know they don't translate into kind of universal um yeah, they don't they don't translate into kind of a universal measurement because every neurofeedback system kind of has its own its own system. But in a typical a typical person, if they were doing really well, might produce like f- um, five or ten uh, mil on that scale. So that's like to go to forty or thirty or forty is is so like really high. is very high. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing these actually too. Typically, in neurofeedback training is like you're sitting in a chair, but as I got my system at home, I started doing it cross-legged based. Yes. So just doing it in full yes. meditation posture. Is it is it also fair to say that the entirety of the consciousness moves in a direction? Because it looks as mm-hmm. though the as the alpha, the al- the alpha, the gamma, and the beta are all moving on a peak, and mm-hmm. they're all moving on the trough. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Okay, so yeah. they are moving cohesively. In yeah, the, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then there's also the scenarios where you have this, and so this, yes. this example, this one doesn't. This one does not move cohesively. <laughs> this is you know delta yeah. is skyrocketed. It yeah. looks like someone's asleep. Yeah, but I'm I'm awake wide, and I'm, yeah, awake. I'm doing wide awake. So I'm I'm um, yeah, and that was the meditation, the Ramana Maharshi meditation that I told you, where I would just like gaze at the picture and feel into his state, and my delta would skyrocket. And um, at first, almost it was so high that I didn't think it was real. But I spoke to a doctor, and he was like, "Yeah, because it's the way that it, it's not. Because sometimes you get noise in neurofeedback, or like um." Um, artifacting like if you're moving or there's something else going on you're blinking too much mm. um, but I I was like no I feel pretty still and I checked with him and, and it was true and so um, yeah but I think it's all what I could describe in that experience was just like a massive amount of like spinal activity and energy and then this feeling um, 
yeah, just the the feeling into the state of a realized. I mean, that's one of the most powerful things that yes. we can do. Yes. Um, that's another interesting guess, technique is to actually um, you take a picture of any enlightened being that you're drawn to, and actually just feel into their, yeah, um, like through your heart, through your body, through your nervous system, um, feel into their state and like um, feel what that state is or feels like. And I think that there's something really magical. It's like we're, um, uh, I don't know, it's hard to put it into words and it's going to sound very woo woo, but like we're given, I think it's one of the, the gifts that the divine gave to us and through these living realized beings is that their states um, are transmittable in person, but not only that, but also through their voice, through their image. And so by actually yes. meditating and connecting with that and feeling into that, then um, we have access to those and those can begin to transfer yes. to us. Yes. And you see that a lot in India, like there's a lot of devotion to yep. puja and to, to deities and to pictures of gurus and, and everything. It's a, it's a powerful practice. Yeah, this is extremely <laughs> spot on that one of the most common ways to sort of trigger yourself into state is a feeling of unity is to have that little shrine of your preferred master that has mm -hmm. attained such incredible states prior to you and that it helps that process a lot and so is this do now does this normally look the same way as with the high delta is that normally what a sleep you know looks like or what does i mean I'd, I'd be interested i don't know what sleep would look like on this system so it's hard okay, for me I to see, say but um yeah i'm not sure how much yeah delta would be above the above. other waves in sleep that's a good question what's uh what's the system called what's this one signet signet yeah c-y-g-n-e-t c-y-g-n-e-t and then is this online software that you can just download it requires a special amplifier that okay. is is pretty pricey it's like five six thousand dollars and you have to Jeez. yeah you have to be um working with a practitioner basically to okay. to access it so yeah it's not um but we're democratizing yes and i guess we can give the example yes there's there's more accessible neurofeedback technologies coming so okay so the 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 existing um, one that people are really familiar with is Muse. Mm -hmm. um, and that's only like 200 bucks or something. Yeah. But that only has a couple channels on it. And only, you said alpha is the only thing that it really measures quite well. Yeah, it it doesn't. Yeah, it's it's just not, um, it's it's nowhere approaching kind of clinical level of, of any of anything really. I mean, I think for some people, just a calming effect can be helpful. But yeah. in terms of like really true neurofeedback, there's just not enough channels. There's not the right feedback. There's not the the right level of sensitivity. Mm. The channel, I think the placement even of the channels are the electrodes or the sensors are not optimum. Um, but yeah, the, there's been a dilemma in the neurofeedback space that like you either had to use these really expensive professional systems or these consumer like kind of devices that didn't really do anything. But I am really excited about this one that you have. Yeah, let's do up it. Let's here. show it. Okay. Um, Sensei. It won't be ready until next year, but I'm um, I've had a lot of dialogue with the company 
um, and their founders and they're amazing people. And they've um, really cracked the code on how to create professional grade sensitivity and accuracy, um, including of gamma, which is which is very difficult to do and to do it in a dry headset that doesn't have any wires. So just for context, for most people, like with neurofeedback, you usually have to put these electrodes on your head. You have to put kind of a gel that it's like a glue. Um, it's very sticky. It's hard to wash off. It sticks in your hair. And, um, and that's even, for conduction. Yeah, it's conduction. And even placing those electrodes is a pain and then taking them off. Um, yep. And then you've got to have this special laptop that has all of this power that Amp, you know, has an amplifier. It, it's a whole ordeal. It's not convenient at all. And so, yeah. there's a reason why nobody does it at home. The pricing, the inconvenience, but basically, this device solves all of that and lets you train um, gamma and then the other brain waves too. Which you know, Muse only does like alpha, but they'll do theta. They can do delta. They can do SMR. They can do um, even other technologies, HRV and photobiomodulation. Yeah, yeah. yeah that will assist the brain and assist the kind of the sta yes. stability. And um, yeah, it's, and oh, we, what we were talking about before too, is that um, it's adaptive. So they're, they're building in um, not only gamification of their app and, and like progressions and programs into their sequence, but also their, um, they'll have AI and machine learning that will basically look at your data that comes in and then alter your program so that you're training yes. on the right track yeah. for you. So it's kind of like um, personalization. It's great to still have a practitioner. Nothing will take the place of a, of a world-class practitioner, but um, in order it's, it's, it's the closest thing to having guidance and moving you along the track. So um, yeah, and it will be, um, you just put it on, you sync it to your phone and you, you get training and you know, it'll be below a thousand dollars, I think below even seven or $800. So, um, and yeah, it's um, to make a device like this that's so far ahead of the market and where the market's been um, definitely takes a lot of innovation and production and everything. So it's um, it's looking like towards the end of next year. But I would recommend anybody goes to their list because I think that they're going to have a lot of um, they are going to have a lot of a lot of interest and a lot of demand. And you can get updates by joining their list. I'm not, um, you know, I. Yeah, I have nothing to promote here today, but I just, I'm a big believer yeah. in terms of, uh, we've talked a lot about neurofeedback, but a technology, uh, as technologies that can transform humanity, if we could get millions of people doing yes. this foundational kind of training and then progressing their way to gamma and then doing gamma and doing these programs and optimizing, like we, you know, a million people doing that we'd have a different world because that's right as humanity rate you know individuals raise in consciousness it's exponential right like through yeah. david hawkins he talks about that one yeah. raise you know one person going up 100 points and their level of consciousness is like counterbalances the negativity of many 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 more people like just like one enlightened being can counterbalance the the negativity of hundreds of millions if not a billion people um and so all a lot of the world that we're in right now and the problems that we have are just a reflection of the level of consciousness of 100%. the masses. And if yes. a portion of the, of even just a small portion of the masses rise in consciousness, we have a different world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Reality is 100% a reflection of our consciousness. <laughs> and 
the more awake we become, the more divine the social fabric becomes, the more we all maximize our flourishing and we move away from malevolence and violence. So it's just a rep it's just a reflection of our consciousness, our level of consciousness. And so the democratization of neurofeedback tools is paramount to elevate our consciousness. It may be parent. I mean, it's probably very, very high up. It's probably one of the most crucial things. And I think that, you know, when you when you get to the level of of higher levels of sophistication of sensor technology, the fusion of that data, the machine learning and AI algorithms to to do the digital signal processing and to send the nudges that we were talking about over to people. I mean, yeah, we can definitely more rapidly catalyze that awakening so yeah yeah it's gorgeous i i'm i'm a, I'm a huge fan and i'm yeah. glad we got to glad we got to show that too um so i also want to um i want to say that for those that want to also follow anthony he had the links in the bio below to his uh instagram account um poetry by anthony but yeah if you go look at his <laughs> account um you'll see that he has poetry by Anthony again on Instagram. Um, he has a ridiculous amount of really, really insightful um, quotes that he writes on typewriter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is very cool that it's OG like that. I love it. <laughs> and they're really nice. They're really insightful. Highly Thank recommend. You. Yeah. Checking those out guys. Um, and then let's see here. We kind of got, we kind of got through a lot of our points. I mean, one of the other really nice things is that it, it's a psychotherapeutic. So neurofeedback is psychotherapeutic. Mm -hmm. So as you elevate your states yeah. of consciousness, you're no longer immersing yourself in those traumas where you click the rewind button incessantly and you go and you replay all of the horrid, um, and you, when you butterfly yeah. effect outward, you butterfly effect out that positivity and that, that light bliss consciousness to your family and the community and the world. So that's, I'd love to that's do, huge. I'd love to sometime like come back and do maybe one where we, I don't know, we both, I don't know somehow we could do this, but like we both experience neurofeedback or like demonstrate it or show so what's going on and yes. like you can you can wire up and be so do fun. some different ways and then we can kind of see what's going on we yes. talk about your experience i think yes. be really interesting because i think for a lot of people it's still a little bit more abstract but i think yeah. actually seeing your experience right. and seeing my experience it could be someone else agree it would be a fantastic way if we do <laughs> round two with anthony will be uh a, will be demo uh, and unpacking the nuances of our experiences on the demo. That'll be a really good, really, really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll hopefully make it more um, relatable. And hopefully, we c again, it's the, the democratization is so damn important. Um, you know, the, there's so many other sort of correlates of awakening to mm -hmm. the neurofeedback's important. HRV is a really interesting one. Mm -hmm. You know, having higher HRV is less stressful. More HRV yeah. is more stressful. Or, or less HRV is more stressful. So you really, you really, you really want to, you know, you have more relaxed states of consciousness. You have higher heart rate variability. If you're going to, you're going to be stressed, you're going to be like, just very on the same you know you're in that mode where you have to be mm -hmm. yes 
mode and that then that can maybe neurofeedback show that it's more of a beta maybe state and then i don't know what yet with the microbiome that's one of my sort of favorite ones to try and figure out but i don't know what the the states of enlightenment are for the you know we have a we have we have two thousand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have a, we have we have a thousand species of bacteria that each have two thousand genes. So that's crazy. So that's you know that's two million genetic expression, uh, and that's you know a hundred x the human genetic expression. So <laughs> you know, so I know wonder, a good person actually that I think would have a really. I'm not an expert on the microbiome, but she's super knowledge. She's a um, PhD cancer researcher, but super deep into microbiome and mitochondria and that's cool. all of these things. And I think, um, Let's see. what's her name? Her name's Shauna. Shauna. Yeah. I'll introduce you. She'll, she'll be a shout offended. out, shout out Shauna. <laughs> and, uh, we'll love to have you on the program. <laughs> Let's do it. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I think she'd be a good, a really good guest. I love. I love people that are super deep in those like weeds of a yeah. specific science, specific like, things. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, I, I've yeah. learned so much just in a few conversations with her yeah. and I'm into biohacking, but like, um, people there's, there's people it's, it's really eye opening to see people are just like, can, how to stack things like NAD and all, you know, what's that mean again? NAD is, um, I forget what it even stands for, but it basically is like a, is like a, a reboot for your mitochondria. It's oh, like, that's cool. It's yeah, a, that's really cool. It's a really powerful, yeah. And she worked in a clinic and, and she kind of understands like, I didn't even know, for example, that you have like different mitochondria types. Oh um, yeah, that's right. That's and right. That, like, how many how, are there? Do you remember? I forget, but yeah. Oh, yeah. there's more. Yeah, I mean. Bioenergetics, yeah. Yeah, there's field. there's a whole yeah. this whole thing. So I'm it. still learning in that. And, and for me, just to bring it around like full circle, um, the more energized the body is, I think the more, um, the better you're able to met, the more progress you can make on meditation. It's hard to make, you know, a sick body. It's not as good a meditation, right? right? But if you're really healthy and vital and you're, you can be really energized on a cellular level, you have more prana, that more prana that can then be moved and activated in ways that kind of accelerates awakening. So the physical practices do help as well. And I think, um, you know, there's always been yoga and diet and all of that stuff. And those are powerful, fundamental sunshine, clean air, water. But I think we are entering, a, we're emerging into this space where there's all these nutrients and biohacking and technologies, um, you know, some like neurofeedback that are exogenous and kind of just help amplify what's going on in the brain or in the nervous system. But then there's some, you know, like there's endogenous things, substances that you can take because you interviewed like Dr. Ted, for example, yep, yep. right? And he's working on a lot of... Um, Dr. Ted Achacoso, for those that want to go watch that episode, it's a super fantastic one. Yeah, yes, yes. exactly. So there's a lot of things that will... Um, substances and nutrients and different things that can potentially help the awakening process in the body, help the meditation process in the body. So it's... Um, we're really trail... Yes. I mean, it's, it's an exciting time that we're on this like trailblazing, cutting edge of really... Um, a whole new science, I think, as science and spirituality are kind of merging more. They are. Amen. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yep. And hopefully uh, the example that we were talking about, about kind of before we started was that we were trying to analogize the, the microbiome in a sense to also like the connectome of, of, of the brain or of your um, 
your brain waves that you're analyzing because you're it's potentially that even if somebody does go and experience uh, gamma and that maybe they maybe their temperament Mm -hmm. and maybe that that maybe it is to be in maybe a more beta state it like so maybe the quote like living in the Tao can be not only like gamma Mm -hmm. but it can be beta to yeah yeah that's kind of interesting too there's a lot of relativity too relativity which is that's that's kind of a strange thing too to to sort of say like can you be in beta and be in unity consciousness or something like that you know is that possible probably probably yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and so this is these are the interesting questions this is like when we're perpetual kindergarten as i love to say yeah Uh, i mean wow uh okay i have let's see there's really not that much left i mean because we basically talked about consciousness this entire (laughs) (laughs) so you i I love to ask people a question about what they think the nature of consciousness is so what do you think it is Mm, consciousness is this is not my i mean i agree with this um Consciousness is reality itself. Consciousness is all existing, all pervading, all present, um, love, bliss. um, That is all of reality, but also pervades all of reality, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's that's how I that's how I perceive it. Um, Yeah, but pure consciousness is is love is love bliss is it's that's god you know and everything that exists through every it is everything it exists through everything and that's what we're waking up to yeah (sighs) it's very interesting our our answers on the show to the question range from you know someone saying that it's subjective storytelling or someone saying that it's connections or someone saying that it's infinite consciousness mm-hmm. um love bliss um your that is the baseline is that love bliss and that th- it's roomy quote you know you you go around from room to room looking for the diamond necklace that is around your neck <laughs> you know <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah I love asking the question to capture the perspective of the nerve ending about <laughs> the reality that it's in you know it's nice and it's good getting the I definitely agree with you know the, all of these different answers. It's so interesting because my nerve ending agrees with the nerve endings perspectives about consciousness. <laughs> it's because and, and you, you you see sure. where subjective storytelling is 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 interesting and true in its way, and that connections are interesting and true in their way, and the infinite love, light, bliss is true in its way. That one seems definitely most really most fundamental. Mm-hmm. most fundamental that's why sat chit ananda you know existence consciousness bliss is you know think about the words existence 
consciousness. <laughs> okay. Bliss. Yeah. <laughs> That's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And 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 another thing on that, just because I know that th- this is this this will help the process for for processing that information for people is one of the most interesting aspects to existence consciousness bliss is the fact of when you look at this is in high level perception chapter six the biometrics of awakening section that when you're in here and you're looking at the classic uh classical wealth hierarchy which is usually the only way that we portray the hierarchy of eight billion people on the planet that you have the classic international poverty at the bottom, and then you have the global middle class, the 225,000 ultra high net worth, and then the 2,200 billionaires. And then there's a little question mark around the enlightened sages, because you don't know, sometimes they may have no money, sometimes they do have money. (laughs) And then on the enlightenment hierarchy on the right, you see the enlightened sages at the top, and then in the bubble where you don't know is, you don't know where the billionaires or the ultra high net worth or the middle class or the uh the international poverty are and what's super interesting about that right side is that you may actually have some of the planet's most wealthiest people that are in the most egoic states of consciousness Mm -hmm. and that you might have some of the poorest people on the planet in some of the most enlightened states of consciousness and then you wonder well what about maslow's hierarchy of needs what about the basic needs you know what if how how is it possible that someone that's so primal because they don't have access to clean water how can they be existence consciousness bliss (laughs) yeah I don't know, but it's but it's such a common archetype. Sure, yeah. Rich people being miserable, poor people being happy, but also poor people being miserable because they don't have basic needs met and rich people being happy because they don't have to worry about their basic mm-hmm. needs. Yeah, it all comes back to consciousness. <laughs> what an enigma. <laughs> what an enigma, bro. That one is, and it does, it all comes back to that consciousness undergoing this exploration and... I would say that this exploration is one of many that it's that it's undergoing and did you um do you do you seem to think that this reality is this one this universe this one song is one of many songs that infinite consciousness is exploring is that how you perceive yeah Yeah. i agree with what you've yeah you've said about that i think so um i mean it's a whole huge (laughs) rabbit hole but i think um yeah there's no way that this is the only (laughs) in the vast universe that this is the only yeah i mean and this is all i mean if if this is a projection or a simulation to (laughs) to your entirely show then and that's even what like mystics like ramana you know he would say like the world that we see is not real it's a projection of mind well then if this is a projection if this is just one project i mean there's probably infinite projections of mind, right? That are, are happening simultaneously. So, but we don't really know that until we awaken back to the, all the way to the, it'd be good to get to that point where we can actually see, see the projector. (laughs) Yeah. And not just the projection. Yep. Yeah. And, and that, that in itself is what is most primal about our awareness and our consciousness. And that that sort of most primal, it's, yeah, it's like going back and back and back and not the coloration of the, 
of the experience that I'm having, but going mm -hmm. back and back and back to the most uncolored, most primal, like the Rupert Spira analogy of the screen, the screen before there is the coloration of the experience that's on the screen in the movie. So that's before that movie that is being played on the screen, it is the screen, it is the consciousness, it mm -hmm. is that awareness, that most primal, and that it's hubristic to think that these, the only consciousness is these 8 billion <laughs> nerve endings on this planet, <laughs> and the yeah. dogs, they're just less of that <laughs> consciousness. And, you know, like, yeah. you just think about the the hundreds of millions billions yeah it's billions the billions of animals that are slaughtered that are raised and slaughtered the raising of a little consciousness and slaughtering it and eating. i mean that's a whole that's a whole nother <laughs> thing like anyway that's a whole nother thing uh life yeah life feeding on life and like what's above us feeding on us there's a whole <laughs> nother um Let's uh, let's let's hope that we can maximize the basic needs of people around the planet, regardless of whether they're enlightened without basic yes. needs or not. Because uh, you, nobody wants diarrhea and nobody wants polio. Nobody wants this shit. So let's eradicate it so that people don't have to suffer through that, and then they can do whatever they want with their time and creativity and stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. Some silly questions all right <laughs> i've really been enjoying this silly segment okay uh, on wrapping the shows it's super fun okay um okay so the first question is do you shower in the morning or at night morning in the morning yeah okay and do you do that to kind of wake up and get yourself ready for the day? Is that why you prefer the Yeah, morning? and to start with a kind of a clear, more clear energy or more of like a reset energy, I guess. Yes, yes. And then tell me, do you shower for approximately 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 5 minutes? Where are you at in your shower timing? Not too long. I would say like seven, eight minutes. Seven, eight. Okay, mm -hmm. you're quick. You're that's a fairly quick shower yeah. length. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty much in there. Maybe you have a couple shower thoughts, a <laughs> yeah. couple, yeah. but you're in there mostly efficiency yes. to move into the next. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you do you do uh, do you do shampoo, conditioner, and body wash? Do you do all three? Do you only do shampoo? What only do do? shampoo and soap. Shampoo and soap, a bar of soap. No, like a oh. separate soap, like a liquid. Oh, like candidate. a liquid soap. Yeah. That's not mm -hmm. body wash, but it's no. liquid soap. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay, I see. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you have a loofah? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Sometimes I'll dry skin brush before I shower. What's that mean? Dry it like you take the brush, like those long brushes, and you brush your skin to exfoliate and allows. It's good for your lymph. And so then, and then you wash the dead skin yep. cells off when you go into Whoa. the shower. So there's some people that say that that's really healthy. Interesting. So what is this? Just like a, like a like a longer, a yeah. thicker brush. Yeah, so you, you can, can just brush all, your skin. Yeah. Oh, you your back. Yeah, everywhere. Oh, You're wow. supposed to do it whole body and like certain yeah. strokes that kind of like move towards your wow. internal. Yeah. Wow. Oh, whoa. Interesting. <laughs> What's the name of the brushes usually like called? Um. You just get them in, I don't know, in either health food store. Like, I think if you just search dry skin brush. Dry skin brush. Dry okay, skin dry brush skin on brush. Amazon, you'll probably find If anybody bit. wants to follow the <laughs> Anthony Flores shower routine. 
<laughs> a dry skin brush. I love it. Um, okay. And then what do you, do you usually have some shower thoughts? Um, yeah, I usually, I usually will just more think about what I have to do, like focus, like actions for the day. So they're pretty boring. Okay. Yeah. Ac um, actions though for the day. Yeah, okay. exactly. Like kind okay. of like what's coming up for the day. Mm -hmm. Cause usually I'll meditate first. And one of the reasons why I don't take longer showers is because, um, if you're meditating like 90 minutes in the morning, like before work is starting before all, you know, all this other stuff starting, like you just don't have kind of have to shave time off where you can. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where I, I would cut time, but I, I, in terms of thoughts and I will sh usually shower after meditating and after journaling. Yep. So kind of gotten everything out. So it's more of like just my more pretty concrete of like, okay, what am I going to do this morning? Yep. Now, do you, um, when you get to your, let's, uh, let's go on, on uh, to sleep. So when you're, when you're going to bed at night, you have to take your socks off. How do you take your socks off? <laughs> um, I, I kind of peel them down from the top. It, do you? But do, I don't make them go inside out. Which I, hand do you go with first? Hand. <laughs> right hand. Right hand to left foot. Yeah. Okay, right hand to left foot, and then you peel them. Yeah. But you don't, so I don't reverse make, them. No, I don't reverse, reverse them. them. Yeah. No, okay. Because I don't want to have to like reverse it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you do the same thing with the other one. Yeah. On your left hand. Okay. Yeah. And then, so then, okay, so then you go, do you sleep naked? <laughs> no, just in um, boxers or whatever. Yeah, shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, shorts boxer, and a t-shirt. Yeah, okay. boxer shorts or shorts and a okay. t-shirt. Yeah. Okay. And I have a chili pad, which oh, is, what's that? Which is like a thing that cools your bed. So it has this like thin layer of, basically it puts a thin layer of water on your bed huh. and then it, and it air conditions kind of the water. So it keeps yeah. your bed surface very cool. Yeah. So that then, um, you don't toss and turn as much and it's, you go into deeper sleep basically. Oh, interesting. So it's a cool biohack. Huh? Wow. <laughs> so many of these biohacks. Wow. Cooling pad on the bed. Yeah. Interesting. It's called a chili pad. Yeah. Chili pad. Yeah. Um, do you, you sleep about what? Eight hours, seven, eight hours, something like that. Varies. I think weekends I sleep a little more because I don't have as much work, but my yep. workload's been really high. So during the week, a lot of times it's more like six. Yep. And then maybe like eight to nine on the weekends. Yeah. Okay. So, I see. I yeah. see. And then do you lucid dream? Not really. I've never been a big dreamer. It's weird because okay. I know a lot of people are meditating and doing all their yeah. very vivid dreamings. I, not, not too much. It's very rare that I actually remember dreams. And do you write them down if you do remember them? I do. But yeah, again, it's like, it's just so rare. Okay. And then what do you normally, when you wake up, you're journaling? And then meditating or meditating, meditating, then, 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 then journaling. journaling. And when you're meditating, are you usually doing neurofeedback on that meditation? Yeah. Sometimes I do it. If I'm, if I've been pushing my system too much, I might, um, not do a neurofeedback cause it is more intensity, but generally it's more deep and more rewarding or more it's, it's, it's more intense. And I think more, there's more progress made if I'm doing it with neurofeedback. So, um, I will, I will tend to do neurofeedback um, primarily, probably like 75% of the time. It's about the right ratio. Yeah. And then 
Do you have a procedure for, do you prefer to sit in a specific way? Do you prefer eyes open? I sit, um, yeah, it's very specific. I sit, um, I can't do full Lotus, unfortunately, but I do half Lotus. I sit erect. I sit on a cushion on a pad, so I don't have my back to any, to anything. So, um, yeah, my practice is generally like 90 minutes. Um, and I'm able to stay. I mean, my legs do get a little stiff at the end, but our hips or whatever, but I can, I can stay there. And then, um, yeah, I'll take the pic, the, the Ramana Maharshi picture, like I was describing, and I'll start with eyes open. That usually produces a lot of Delta. Um, and then from there, I'll tend, my eyes will just tend to close organically as a, and then that will shift more into gamma and then there'll be more of a, a love or a kind of ecstatic experience. But it's not always like that. And it's not always like rainbows. Sometimes For it's actually sure. like, um, a lot of monkey mind. Well, um, to reset there back can the be, um, the neurofeedback doesn't produce that much. One of the benefits of neurofeedback is the sound. I think you focus on the sound so that it doesn't, it reduces the monkey mind because you're not giving the, the monkey mind attention. And so it, it kind of uh, fades into the background and the sound yep. becomes prominent. Um, but where I'll say it's not like, when I say it's not all like rainbows and love and light, it's um, because sometimes there's like very deep emotional processing or healing or past life stuff or things that come up. I mean, there's a lot of purification that happens, I think, especially in gamma and really intent when there's a lot of intensity there, like anything that's unresolved in the system. I mean, if it's moving you towards, as you move towards enlightenment or awakening, any of that karma, anything that's unresolved has to arise and it has to be burned in kind of that fire of, yep spiritual awareness and so um a lot of it it can be painful sometimes um but you're never given more pain than you like you have the capacity to handle i believe that as well so as my capacity has grown i get shown more stuff but then i i I process and transcend that and then the experience just gets richer and deeper and more powerful so you come to respect it and actually appreciate exactly hardships yeah sufferings yeah all of that because those traumas trigger treasures and the more that resilient you become and the faster your bounce back speed, the more efficiently you integrate and move on. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I see. And then what are you typically journaling? I'm actually just exclusively journaling on my meditation experience. Um, okay. I probably should journal separately for something else, but basically I'm just noting i'm writing i'm documenting like what's going on for me in meditation which it's it's awesome which yeah. anchors kind of yeah the experience and totally and because it whatever you experience in meditation tends to be kind of very transient it's hard to remember yep um but also because i i'm on this path of like trying to chart new territory yep in in terms of using neurofeedback to kind of speed up spiritual awakening i also feel like it's good for me to document what's going on with me so that then I can, you know, potentially share that in the future, right? Yes. Like share the whole journey and not just the end point of the journey. So that people can see like exactly. this stage, yes. this was going on. And that's right. I was struggling with this and I had this, you know, yes. these pains and these things going on and this happened yes. so that later when there's all this progress, it's like people are like, oh, yeah, you're doc, it, you're documenting yeah. your your plate juggling on the way to the stage where you're yeah. going to have the audience watching you juggling, but they don't see all the broken plates. Yeah. And so it's nice to see. Yeah. And the profound realizations that you've had along the way. Exactly. This is kind of like the anthropology and archaeology of the human race and 
um, it really needs to be taken a little bit more seriously. I'm glad you're doing the, the logging. I think that journaling is super important. I mean, I have over 4,000 Evernote files. We're over 700 conversations in just, uh, you Two know, years. Yeah, in, in 2018 and 2019. <laughs> I know. And so I think that the same style of, of process of documenting your life in some way, whether mm-hmm. it be the journal for meditation or sleep journal or life journal or notes or videos or audio or books or whatever you do, leave some sort of trace of your experience. And it's this very important, cool, reflective process also at the same time of healing. And there's different, there's a lot of grief journals. There's a lot of really interesting ways to, Mm-hmm. Yeah, to do that documentation process. What is your favorite food? Uh, it's. I I would say like not healthy, but like um, there's buffalo cauliflower at Erwan's. Oh, it's really wow, good. that is so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got really addicted to that before, and then I had to like reduce it because it's fried and it's not good. Yeah, oh, wow. it's not healthy, but. It's, it's, I don't know. It's yeah. a good junk food. Yeah. Buffalo <laughs> like, cauliflower. That's favorite for you? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't always. I think I was like lasagna as a lasagna kid. Lasagna too. Oh my gosh. Buffalo yeah. Jeez. I just don't oh, handle man. dairy that well anymore. Um, oh. Moussaka, like the. the What's that? It, that's like, um, it's kind of M- like lasagna. Moussaka? Moussaka? Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like a lasagna, but with eggplant and potatoes oh that sounds great and like yeah, yeah similar it's i think it's in um i forget which which cuisine it's in anyways those are some of my favorites wow yeah those yeah those do sound good um <laughs> and then let's see let's uh let's let one last one what is your favorite way to play Oh, wow. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Lately, this is going to sound very weird, um, but I think you like weird here. <laughs> I do. I love weird. I love it. Um, I've been experimenting with taking CBD, like, low no t- little or no thc basically cbd through vape or another form um and combining it with a brain um mood booster brain kind of like spray that this client that i work with they have um hmm. it's this kind of juice and um nootropic yeah nootropic kind yes. of juice that you spray and there's something about the synergy of those kind of like creates a um I don't know for me which i think it's unique to me but i think everybody has a kind of their own really positive experience it's kind of like a little bit of like a mini ayahuasca yeah kind of That's state so like like we i feel super altered and like basically um but not like all it's weird not altered in a in a way like i i'm completely nor like yeah. I'm, I'm completely you're connected. doing I'm not, you're like executing your yeah. things that you need to get do- yeah exactly but it's like it, it's almost but it's you're like doing it, it in more it's a different dimension it's almost like it flips open a different dimension slightly and, yes, and like yes. it's a, there's a lot of joy and lightness and so uh-huh. it creates a very fun um because you asked me like favorite way to play it creates a very playful environment or vibe yes. 
So yeah, I'm happy to share that or give you the, whatever the links the, for the show notes yeah. that you can put in for that stuff. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Interesting. So I'm always fascinated by biohacking um, the, in the nootropic space. And so that's really interesting. Yeah, if I've you... got some great stuff to share with you there. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll give you guys another report next time <laughs> on how that's going. And we might uh, show you guys on the round two as well, maybe. That'll yes. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah I could bring yeah, some. That'd be there fun, yeah. Wow. Anthony, what a blast this has been. Yeah, man. thank you. We crushed it. I'm so, I'm so grateful. Yeah, thank Likewise. you. It's been a lot of fun. Likewise, yeah. All things meditation and neurofeedback, unity consciousness. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. We would love to hear your thoughts in the comments below. So let us know what you're thinking. And also, talk to more people about meditation, about neurofeedback. Go and make it more routine. Practices in the space, visualizing your data, getting that quantified self data stream so you can see at a better level, feel at a better level on a moment-to-moment basis daily. And... Check out, again, the link in the bio below to Anthony's Instagram profile. Go give him a follow. Also, check out the links in the bio below to Simulation. You can support us, help us grow, help us flourish here in L.A. We have a lot of things we want to do. Um, I'll go ahead and say that one of the things that I want to do as soon as possible, and we would love your assistance with this, is being able to uh, have the show notes for every single show uh, and so that it's broken up into those segments really nicely in youtube in order for that to happen uh, i need that slight bit more assistance so help join us in the community so that we can get uh the transcription team to uh paid well so that they can do that for us so that they can be chunked into the sections and support the other artists the entrepreneurs the scientists the spiritual leaders in your communities around the world that you believe in help them flourish maximize human potential actualize your gifts build the future. We love you very much. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you soon. Peace.